Hello from Delinea, and welcome to the show. If you've been enjoying the 401 Access Denied podcast, then make sure to like, follow, and subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Join the discussion by leaving us a comment or a review on your platform of choice, or by emailing us at podcast at delinea.com. From all of us at Delinea, thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the 401 Access Denied podcast. I'm the host of the episode, Joe Carson, Chief Security Scientist and Advisory Citizen at Delinea. And it's a pleasure to be here with you today. I'm really excited about today's episode, something I've been excited for a long time. And I'm actually joined with an amazing uh, industry veteran expert and awesome person, and also one of the persons who I always enjoy listening to your talks. Uh, so James, welcome to the episode. Welcome to the show today. Uh, can you give the audience a bit of uh, introduction background about yourself? And maybe you can even throw a few dad jokes in if you have some at hand. Oh, Joe, <laughs> you're, 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 uh, you're asking for a lot. No, um, man after my own heart. So hello, everyone. My name is James McQuiggan. I'm a security awareness advocate over at No Before and a regular contributor to Joe Carson's bank account now, now that he's <laughs> said all these wonderful, amazing things about me. I had to look around when he made the intro, but no, I appreciate the warm introduction, Joe. It's always a pleasure to see you out on the speaking circuit uh, and uh, thrilled that you, uh, you asked me to be here today to chat with you about you know, human security and security awareness and everything else that we're going to talk Absolutely. about. Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're in a world that, I mean, for, for today, I think it's you know, one of the things we've talked about for a long time is that it's no longer just about technology. And I always love Miko's comment when he did, you know, a few years ago, he talked about, you know, we're no longer protecting and securing computers today. We're, can, you know, we're protecting the society. And I think that represents a really, you know, a, a shift in where we've really come over the years, where businesses are no longer, the, you know, it's no longer just about the technology, it's about how it's all being used together. And the human side of things is a, such an important part of the security strategy for organizations. Um, and really kind of this is where we start thinking about is what things can we do to better protect and make make their lives safer? And it's not just about being in the office, but it's also you know when we have people working remotely, working from home. It's about how do we protect them in their daily lives? Um, so what, what are some of the risks that faces the, the human side of things? What, what are the challenges that we face uh, when you know attackers are looking to compromise? What, what, what type of techniques do they use and, and how can it be damaging for them? Yeah, so one of the things with Know Before that I've always been uh, very appreciative of mm -hmm. and a part of, uh, you know, we're dealing with social engineering. We're dealing with mm -hmm. the attacks against the human. And the way that we do that is we help people make smarter security decisions every day. And that has been my mantra, mm -hmm. essentially, for the last 13, 15 years and going around and helping folks be aware you know, I kind of equate it to, you know, when you, you have children and you buy them a bicycle mm -hmm. and you teach them how to ride it, <laughs> you teach them how to ride it, but you also protect them. You give them a helmet, maybe some elbow pads, uh, but educating them so that they understand the rules of the road. They've got to be mm -hmm. looking out for certain things, for cars, for people, uh, the way they ride it uh, and that protective gear as well. So in the event they do fall off, they don't get hurt as bad. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at the human, when it comes to social engineering, because we still see that that is the majority of the, the attacks that are going on out there, mm -hmm. where the cyber criminals are successful, getting into organizations, getting into people's home networks, computers, devices, mm -hmm. they're doing that through some type of social engineering, getting them to do something that they may not want to do in their own best interest, essentially. And 
you know, fishing is, of course, that that big way, whether it's fishing with vishing, you know, mm-hmm. voicemail or text messaging, yep. you know, looking to gain that initial access into the or into the system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of the time it's going to be emotionally driven. People either yep. in a rush, they are distracted. Uh, we're smart. We're educated people. You know, we can walk down the streets of New York and if someone walks up to us and is trying to sell us a Louis Vuitton bag or a <laughs> Rolex watch, we're going, yeah, no, I, I don't think that's real and, and keep mm-hmm. walking. But a lot of the time people with email miss that opportunity. They're distracted. Again, they're. Uh, and you, you find that a lot of the times it's like literally, you know, the most common time is the end of the day when you're trying to get away, you're trying to get yeah. home. Uh, you're trying to do your daily chores or it's a Friday afternoon. Um, They really have optimized when you're most vulnerable. And they also know what words to use as well to to raise that sense of urgency or fear uh, that kind of comes with those as well. And we're we're seeing now for years, we've always talked about watch out for bad grammar, watch out for bad spelling mistakes, because usually (laughs) it's been written by somebody that doesn't speak English or has English as Mm -hmm. the first language. And that's, you know, in the English speaking world, but now with generative AI booming in the last year, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of takes that off the table that the cyber criminals have elevated, leveled up, so to speak, yep. with regards to their attacks. So we as humans have to do the same as users. We've got to be able to do the same level up our awareness. You know, if we're feeling rushed, mm-hmm. um, you know, even a colleague of mine was in a taxi in, a, in an Uber going to the airport and got an email that came from uber Mm -hmm. but it wasn't it was a fishing simulation for me it was right before lunchtime i was waiting on a call and i got a zoom email Mm -hmm. that said someone was connected and i ended up clicking on the link and it again it was one of our internal Mm -hmm. phishing assessments but again being distracted being you know not taking that time to go through because it only takes the one time and you know a lot of we've heard arguments where people are saying oh well then security awareness it's pointless it's useless Mm -hmm. if people are still going to click on the link security and you know and your audience is going to know that security is all about reducing risk whether cyber physical or or whatever Mm -hmm. we're looking at reducing that opportunity for cyber criminals to get in Mm -hmm. and if you don't do it well then you're looking at one in every three people that are going to click on that link in your organization you want to be able to bring that down so it's one in every 20, 30, 40, 50, whatever, depending on the size. Mm-hmm. We want to reduce that risk. And if in the event that it does happen, well, then you've got your incident response plans that are going to be able to yeah. deal with that. You should That's have additional security controls behind the scenes right. that really you know, yeah. mitigate the impact of clicking on something. Exactly. And you, you reminded me, it's one of the things I, I remember recently when I was at the, uh, I was at GovWare in uh, Singapore International Cyber Week. And uh, there was uh, the head of the National Cybersecurity Center here in Estonia was also speaking there. And it was really interesting because one of the things, you know, for years, Estonia has pretty much been isolated or protected because of the language. Um, The language in Estonia is very complicated. It's a difficult language. There's no gender. There's no future tense. (laughs) It's it's so complicated. It's very difficult language. So um, it's been somewhat protected because of that for many years because it's hard to get proper language translations done in order that would actually, you know, take advantage. So people were easily detectable at those really bad created uh, uh, phishing attempts, especially when it was using the Estonian language. And it's really interesting to hear him speaking um, recently because he was referring to is that that is now no longer the case right. because it used to be where the good phishing campaigns were attackers who had paid proper language translations to do it for them. 
someone they actually had paid for language, not using gen, you know machine generated because they were horrible, but paying people people to do the proper grammar uh, translations. Those are the ones that were actually the better types of phishing campaigns. Right. But now, with enter of AI, the translation is actually almost perfect, uh, and sometimes even better <laughs> than most people's grammar. Wow. So You're right, exactly. Yep. And that's where you get into is that now Estonia doesn't have that protection anymore. Uh, because of the language. And now generative AI has really meant that phishing campaigns can be much more accurate, much more difficult to detect the difference between, uh, you, know, you know, those mistakes that you would have detected before are now being basically masked and removed from the new campaigns. And to the point, one of the things we discussed recently as well, is they're also being, where it's not just about that first, you know, they're, they're not being opportunistic in the first attempt. What they have is they created a campaign that's multiple communications right. that yeah. builds your trust that makes it look like an authentic service. And ultimately it's the third email or the fourth email that gets you to click on something yeah. or to enter something in. So it is becoming a lot more sophisticated and generative AI has changed, I would say the social engineering and phishing and pretexting uh, to being a lot more, let's say more accessible to more criminals. Because um, yeah. the criminals before, you know, those who were more sophisticated and more advanced, that's what they were doing anyway. But it's not giving those who may not have the skills or resources to having access to this type of technology. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I know, you know, we, we think of the script kitty, that mm -hmm. entry level cyber criminal hacker, uh, we, we call it, uh, you know, and for years people were like, oh, now it's going to make it easier. Well, we've already seen that it's easier out there because you've got phishing yeah. as a service, ransomware as a service, essentially cyber crime as a service where mm -hmm. you can go out and pay a little Bitcoin and essentially get access. You show up with your list of people you want to attack and they've got the platform and the infrastructure to be able to send all that off. So it's mm -hmm. making it easier already ready for them. They're leveling up a lot. Yep. Um, you know, and I know that within an, the defending space, you know, looking at being able to level up as well, using AI um, within the, the, the socks and so forth, yep. but needing to level that up, getting our users educated, getting the process, using the technology to be able to, to identify those emails that are coming mm -hmm. in that are malicious and, and uh, protect against it. Absolutely. It is a cyber weapons race, you know, yes. for both attackers and defenders. We're yep. trying to make sure that we're, we're, we're not, the, the gap is not widening. Uh, to your point, right. the entry level is, is lowering every single time. Uh, yeah. But we have to make sure that we're upping our game when it comes to the defensive side and, and that we're, you know, strengthening that where possible. Right. Um, and we've got, we've got all these, you know, depending on the size of your organization, you've got all those people, mm -hmm. those users that have an email address. And for me, the way I look at it is anybody with an email address in the organization has that proverbial front uh, mm -hmm. front door key, that electronic front door key to let people in. And a lot of the time, if they click on that link or open that attachment, they're not going to know they've let somebody in. And mm -hmm. so there's a, it's crucial to make sure folks are aware of that as part of that training. It's not just mm -hmm. here, we want you to take this training so you know we can check the box and be compliant with whatever security regulation. Mm -hmm. No, we're looking at defending the organization and protecting it. And a lot of people go, well, that's what IT's for. That's what security, mm -hmm. cybersecurity is for. And, it, and you're right, it is. They're there to help protect the organization. But while you have a key to the front door, you have mm -hmm. a responsibility as well to be able to protect your inbox Absolutely. and not you know, and that's why we're educating you on these. And, you know, when, if you've got campaigns and organizations where you are doing those assessments, you want to make sure there are rewards there for it, you know, whether you're doing like a top 10 
fishing spotter or something like that. Being able to kind of help the human aspect with rewarding them goes mm -hmm. a lot further than blaming them because they click on a link and, you know, you call them the weakest link, which is the biggest pet peeve for me. Yeah, that's, a, that's almost became like such a, uh, an evil thing in the, the industry oh, yeah. these days, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. which, which is it's correct. I think, I think we have to realize over the years is that most yeah. employees, you know, their intention is good as well being yeah. is to do their job, yeah. to get their tasks yeah. done. And ultimately, you know, uh, and they rely a lot. They, they, they assume that security is working for them in the background. They, they assume that the IT and the security team has their back. And yeah. then they find out that, you know, something out through, it's in their yeah. front um, and it looks legitimate and they, they do something and all of a sudden it, it brings the business down. And it's really important your point is one is, is the education side and also making sure that they, they're one. I remember years ago, one thing I was asked, I was, I was standing in an audience um, well, I was actually presenting to the audience. I wasn't in the audience. And it was the audience was teachers, parents, and law enforcement. And it was all about th that time was discussion was around cyber, cyber bullying and mm -hmm. um, mental health issues. And, and, so, and, and there's one person who asked me if there's one thing that I could ever say to the entire audience that would make a difference, what would that be? And I was put on the, I was put on like on the stand at that point. I'm like, okay, this is, you know, you've got the, the lights and you've got parents and teachers and, law enforcement, one thing would satisfy all of them, <laughs> what would kind of make it the most impact. And I was thinking about it and, and, and I thought about make sure that you, you know, you're never afraid to ask for help. Make sure you're never afraid to ask for advice. If you see something, okay. speak up. Say something. Um, Cause it reminded me of a, uh, it was a fishing campaign, the penetration test I did not long before that, that one that basically uh, the employees, they talk so much to each other. That because of that communication they had, they were able to detect suspicious activity really fast because they communicated. They were not afraid right. to, to ask for advice or to ask for help. And I think sometimes that makes a big difference. And I think what you, you mentioned that important is, is, is make sure that they're equipped and they know who to communicate to, yeah. that if they see something suspicious, that they're not afraid, they're not right. victimized, they're, they're supported. Um, it can be rewarded in, 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 in different ways. So uh, making sure that, you know, they, you know, and that makes it changes the culture within the organization as well to being something that people feel that, you know, it's, they're all working together and you're not basically isolated. It's, it's, it's a teamwork uh, in many cases. And that's one of the most important things here. Going back to one of the things I'd like to, you know, in a lot of fishing campaigns, you know, some can go really well and some can go bad. What, what's your recommendation in regards to what, what is the best practices or good tips and what things should organizations avoid when they're starting to think about, you know, doing a fishing campaign in their organization? Yeah, you know, a lot of it comes down to knowing your knowing your audience uh, and knowing who your users are for your culture. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're going to go through, you're going to send phishing assessments out. They're going to be a, they're going to be upset uh, because if they end up clicking on the link and they fall victim to it, I kind of have this whole thing on four stages of phishing grief, <laughs> where you kind of go, the user is going to go through and be shocked that. Oh my gosh, what happened? And then denial of, you know, oh, I didn't submit anything. I, I closed it down really way. It's, it's not, <laughs> it's not bad. And then they get angry because now they've been reported. They've Hold now on. been told they got to do training. <laughs> They're angry at the IT guy for yeah. taking away from their productivity. They're angry at themselves for falling victim to it. And then eventually you get into that acceptance phase where it's like, okay, fine, you got me and I'll do the training and I'll, I'll move on. And a lot of the time there's that misconception of folks thinking that it is a gotcha moment. Hey, we're trying to trick you. We want you to fall victim to it. And it's an educational 
uh, mm -hmm. opportunity where we'd rather have you fall victim to our fishing assessment than a real one with the bad guy. We're looking to educate you, you know, if, and there's a point where a lot of people think that, oh, great, I'm going to click on the link. I'm going to get fired. And that comes from an organization's policy. What does your policy say? Yes, people make mistakes. It's a given. We're human. But how long does it take where they click a link, they get educated, they do it again, they have a chat, they do it again, you know, and if it's habitual and continual, then there has to be the discussion of, okay, we're, we need you to value the security of the company. And if they can't do that, then there's a separation. And a lot of the time people think there's been the misconception of, oh, they do it once and I fire them. It's like, no, yeah, it you want to have a plan. It's an educational like opportunity. Plan. It's an educational right. opportunity and to kind of highlight and, and, and yeah. to, to, to show yeah. um, the areas, you know, that they potentially use yep. to spot right. um, and be able to indicate. One thing I've, right. I've, I remember using in one of the fishing campaigns in the past was uh, to, to make sure that the employee understands is that uh, this is something that just doesn't help them in the workplace, but it can also they can take home with them. Oh, sure. Protect them yep. in their personal lives. Yep. Um, and really expand it. And maybe they can, you know, go back and educate their, their family, their kids, mm -hmm. their parents and, yep. and, and, and so forth. Uh, so sometimes it's important kind of step is that we're here to educate you because cyber attacks don't just target the organization you work in. It also targets you at home um, right. and they take opportunistic. And, and that could be if, if you don't learn from this, um, what happens is, you know, what, what is your personal computer? What if it's your bank account? What if it's your right. identity um, yep. outside of the organization? Uh, so what was taken as an opportunity that this is, you know, it's, it's about protecting society, um, yeah. but it's through the business as a means of, of achieving that. Yeah, I did a, I did a presentation the other day and somebody was asking, well, this is great, you know, because of all the training information they mm -hmm. had at this conference. And they said, this is great, but how do people that don't work are in those environments to get that training? How do we educate them? Mm -hmm. And again, and, the, and going to your point, a lot of that is you need to be able to spread the word. You have to be ambassadors of it. This is to become the norms within society. You know, be aware of phishing links. I mean, uh, my father-in-law will call up and talk to his daughter, my wife, um, and say, hey, I got this strange email today where it wanted me to do this survey to win some like AirPods. And, and he goes, but I didn't do it because you guys have told me don't, you know, if it's too good to be true, don't be don't be following it and to question things if you're not expecting it or it seems strange or unusual going through and, and looking at that, but having to educate that. But that's one person because through of who, what I do through yeah. my wife, uh, but there's, you know, thousands of other people that don't have that opportunity. And so it needs to be something where, yeah, we we're learning it at work and it should be something we need to be sharing because mm -hmm. everybody's got a smartphone or pretty well, almost everybody's yeah. got smartphones, got email, surfing the internet, buying things, streaming, you know, list goes on and on and on. But we're not, it's like, we've gotten the bike, we're riding it, but we haven't learned how to ride on the road. And, you know, mm -hmm. if something happens, then we get hit by, you know, something on the road. Yeah. So it's a matter of being able to spread that along. And especially depending on the people who are, who you're talking to, because a lot of the time it's, we're trying to grow that security culture, that norm. Not only is it checking links, but making sure password managers or, mm -hmm. you know, strong passwords, you know, yep. using MFA wherever, wherever possible, having that mindset of, you know, protecting our accounts, mm -hmm. protecting our data overall is what we're looking to do. But a lot of folks just don't have that understanding, that awareness mm -hmm. of it. And so it's a matter of trying getting them educated and then spreading the word through friends, through family, down to your kids um, so that they're aware. Because even my two daughters, 
mm-hmm. out there in the world, you know, whenever they, they text me and go, Hey, what's the Netflix password or the, or the <laughs> password for Disney plus it's, it's in the password manager. And they're like, Oh, right. Okay. And then they, off they go and they get, they check it. But again, and, and I've asked them, I said, do you, a lot of your friends do this, you know, use password managers or MFA. And they're like, I think so. And then they come back and go, yeah, not no, really. Yeah, they're so not using it. And, and they're using something simple. I think, I think we're in the same situations, but you know, even my kids as well is that I've got them having into password managers and, right. and the sharing and, you know, and, and creating complex passwords is, um, and using multi-factor authentication, you know, they've got it driven into them, but I get, sh- I get shocked when I hear that, you know, what the things their friends are doing. I'm just like, okay, and yeah. are you, are you educating them? And I think one of the things you mentioned really important is, is ambassadors. Um, I used to call it cyber mentors, ambassadors, right. lots of different names for it. I think that's really vital for organizations to establish a really, you know, within the organization and even within peer organizations cross, you know, is to, to really establish this cyber ambassador program as much as possible, because the more, and, and one thing I remember uh, when I was doing one of these programs many years ago, I was asked about who's the best people in the organization to become these cyber ambassadors. And sometimes we think about it. Sometimes it's the techies, you know, the, the geeks within the community and, and the organization. But I actually find it was victims. Oh, <laughs> victims okay. were previous victims because they okay. know what it means to yeah. be a victim. Yeah. Um, and for so, me, for me, it was always the admins, the, the admins, admins in the departments, yes. because they're always there. Everybody comes to them with issues or questions. They're well respected. No, the gossip, I, I, yeah, they're I, the gossipers, the gossipers, the ones that yeah. the ones that kind of yeah. are the go to that have have the yeah. knowledge about everything that's happening within the yeah. department. Yeah. Um, absolutely. But, that's, and, but the victim certainly yeah. brings a unique perspective because, yeah, they've gone through that fishing grief or they've gone through that grief yes. of, of an attack and they can share that experience. And when you share stories with people, that's how it sticks. It that's, becomes more impactful. It, it becomes it, more it really impactful. Raises, emotions. Yep. And and also gets to the point where when people are telling this is what happened, it's like. You know, when you have a real life scenario and they can yeah. tell you basically that the, the, the challenges it went through, um, it really makes a difference when they have those examples. I, I, I always find it, it was one of the things that really raised the, the, the importance and people listen more. Oh, yeah. Uh, and really, and really kind of really took action. And stories have that emotional aspect to drive it home. Yep. And they remember that. They remember the stories over the facts. Mm-hmm. So, so we're going through, you know, fishing, I think absolutely social engineering, big topic, fishing, all of those things. For an organization, you know, I think this ties a little bit into the the, the ambassador side of things and the, the mentor side. What's some of the best practices for an organization who really wants to establish a cyber awareness program across the organization? And not just to make it, you know, I, I, I'm not a big fan of ones who just do it for the checkbox approach to meet right. the, the right. compliance once a year. I'm not a big fan of that. I think it's sometimes it's it, it it's just you're, you're in that moment in time and that's what you, you, you your goal is. But the rest of the year, <laughs> you're not paying attention. It's a bit right. sometimes, but like right. you know, we have cybersecurity awareness month, and, and it's one month. But you should be cyber aware all the time. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, yep. so, so getting into so what's what's some of the best practices for organizations who's going down and thinking about uh, you know an awareness program for the organization? What what would you recommend that you know the things that they should prioritize and do? Yeah, certainly when it comes to your security awareness program, you know having a program that you're just not repeating every year. You're not having the same training every year. You want to be refreshing it. Mm-hmm. You want to be doing training throughout the year. Do it frequently. Uh, one of my favorite uh, analogies is the fact that you can't go to the gym one day out of the year and expect <laughs> to have that muscular tone packed 
body, right? No, six you, pack. Six pack. Yeah. Beach body, ready, ready, right. ready to go. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of it comes down, but you got to go to the gym like three times a week, right? Or four times, or five, depending on how fit right. you want to get, because it's repetitive. You've got to go through. You can't learn how to play the violin in one lesson. It takes years because you've got to go through and repeat it. With security awareness, we want to be repeating it. We don't expect to make everybody cybersecurity experts, but mm -hmm. by doing, you know, smaller training throughout the year, mm -hmm. uh, that's going to kind of help keep it front of mind because of the fact that, you know, everybody has an email address. Yes, that's, mm -hmm. this is a reason why we need to keep it front of the security Sometimes front of mind bite, with you. Bite size and iterative. Yeah. That's the things that videos, people consume. Yeah. Yep. And doing that. So the frequency is one part. You want to, the other thing that when it comes to security awareness that I always like to say is team up with your communications and marketing team, your PR team, <laughs> if you've got them, because their job is all about getting a message out, getting a word out, whether it's the product of the company or a service. Well, you've got a service, you've got a product that you want to get out to your users in your organizations, work with them. They're the experts on that. Mm -hmm. And they can help you develop those campaigns of, you know, when are you sending out newsletters? When are you sending out? emails. What, um, what language you use in the communication. What language, what culture, <laughs> right? Exactly. What culture are you going to have? Are you going to be, are you a global organization um, versus just being, you know, a one domestic uh, organization, but then have different trainings go out, different newsletters, videos, you know, stagger that. And then also have it specific to the different people in your organization, mm -hmm. you know, your executives, their time is valuable. So you've got to limit that. Yep. You've got your practitioners, you know, whether it's HR or your finance folks, they're going to be more subjected more to those business email compromise, the, the vendor invoice, yeah. the, those kind of things. But then for overall, for the users, you want to be going through not only with the training, mm -hmm. but then doing those phishing assessments as well, going through and making sure folks are being able to spot mm -hmm. not only the phishing email, but then reporting it as well, because that's the other key element a lot of people sometimes miss is the fact mm -hmm. that, yeah, you're putting it out there, but they need a way to be able to report it back in, whether it's real or not, because yeah. that's a stat of showing the positive. That's showing people reporting it. They're yep. doing the action. When you have that, what we call our fish prone percentage, where people, it's the number of your percentage of clickers that can have that negative impact because then people are like, oh, I was part of that fish prone yeah. percentage and then so, they feel down. But if they feel that they're one of the more, uh, the, more the users that report more, then they're like, hey, I know I'm doing my job. I'm doing good. I'm protecting the organization. That carrot versus the stick goes a lot, uh, goes a long way as well. So mm -hmm. folks um, feel a lot more pride in their organization and that helps drive the culture, mm -hmm. you know, helps drive those norms, which are, contributing to the behaviors overall to getting a stronger security culture because yeah. we've been doing, you know, we've developed, people have developed bad habits. I hate to say with yeah. regards to email and internet and not being as secure minded as they could be. And so having to change those habits, that's what takes time. And that's what takes the frequency to be able to go through and do that continuously so that you build up that culture, build up those norms. So folks are like, Oh no, you're, you got to change your password. You used a weak one. Oh, Hey, you should use the password manager that we have in the yeah. organization. And they're let's like, all, Oh, okay. All right. Automate it and move it into the background. Yep. And, let's, and then let's, hopefully let's take that, away the pain of passwords. <laughs> sticking with the pains from passwords. Yeah. But then so. that's hopefully then that carries home. It's like, Oh, I get a password manager here at work and I can use it at home. Okay. Well, was, well I like using such it an here. Important thing. I always say that, you know, expanding your security solutions to people's personal mm -hmm. lives yeah, it was a long way. And, yeah. and I rem always remember somebody, somebody mentioned me, you know, really wise person uh, quite a few years ago to mention me is, 
it's you know even similar coming back to what Miko's statement that I mentioned about we're securing society these days, right. not, not just computers. It was also about we're only secure as our so as the social sphere around us. Hmm. And you know, the more we push that social sphere outwards, the more secure society society becomes. Society becomes, you know? yeah. yeah. And that yeah. means that you know, security doesn't just start in the office or with your employees. It starts with their family and the people around them. Right. And yep. the more you can push security into those environments, mm -hmm. uh, the bigger impact you can have. And that's what we're also seeing in, in even supply chain. Many organizations are going, well, if you want to be a supplier, um, we'll, we're going to expand our security solutions into your environment as well mm -hmm. so that they can make sure that, you know, they're, they're getting that supply chain and social sphere again right. because they know the more they push the boundaries outwards, the more difficult it is for attackers to be successful. Exactly. So and you reminded you're only, me. You're yeah. only as strong as your weakest vendor security program. <laughs> exactly. And you reminded me with an interesting one. Uh, I, one of the things that when I did phishing campaigns many years ago, um, one of the things I always wanted to know as well was not just focusing on the people who clicked because I, I understand because right. that was, that was the initial intent is to get, right. is to, to do it such a way that you're playing on time, fear, you know, fear of doing something wrong, the urgency, sensitivity, and all of that stuff. There's techniques and really well kind of constructed methods to, to, to get it. Um, and looking at very authentic as well. Uh, I was always one that I always wanted to also ask the people who got it, but didn't click on it. Cause I was mm. always curious, did you see it? Why did right. you, what did you identify? You didn't, you maybe didn't report it. So also going through that, I think it's really important to also get mm -hmm. those who, who, who did see it, didn't report it. Uh, and, and understand the reasons and intentions behind that as well, because that can also be a powerful, uh, measurement into understanding about sure. what what was the thing that you did that you know right. made them not you know interested. Um, sometimes sometimes it could be a matter of they forget. I know for me <laughs> when I'm on my when I'm on my phone and I get an email that yeah. comes in and there's something it looks a little suspicious or something yeah. about it. I'm a little hesitant about trying to preview the link <laughs> on my phone because you got to hold it down to pop. Yeah, it's 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 more it's more tricky uh, yep. to uh, let's say look for the indicators of compromise on mobile devices than it is right. on, on traditional yeah. laptops and desktops. And so my usual my rule to myself is all right. If there's something weird, I'm going to look on it on my desktop computer yep. through a browser when I have an and I can hover over and I can check it. Hmm. And other times, you know, emails come in and it just gets weighed down and then it goes on the next page and then you forget about it. So, you yeah. know, I know for me, sometimes if it doesn't get reported, it's because it's out of sight, out of mind. And you, you, you get, know. you get so many emails. <laughs> you're, you're so popular <laughs> that it's hard to keep up. So, yeah. so I think people, popular people who get so many emails is hard to, <laughs> it's hard to keep track of them. Or it's all so. the vendor emails from the conferences. <laughs> yeah. Possibly. So, and that reminded me as well as one of the things that, you know, getting into, um, I remember talking about the cyber awareness training side mm -hmm. um, and going through into that whole social sphere side. Uh, one thing that was really interesting is many years ago, I remember uh, doing this, uh, I was there to do a risk assessment and, mm -hmm. you know, do a strategy for improving it. And every part of the, you know, every different team that came in, they had their part to do. I was looking at patch management and, and looking at the inventory of those and how much systems had been, you know, up to date patched. Others were looking at software programs and uh, password management stuff. There was lots of different people working in different areas. And ultimately, we realized that we need to do security awareness training program with a certain high-risk users was ultimately one of the goals. So we went through and we had a plan. It was a six-month project. You put all the things around it, all the resources, and then went through and started you know, doing this awareness training. And it was a disaster. Employees hated it. You're taking them away from their job. They're not able to do their right. tasks. They were unhappy. 
uh, they weren't listening. We had all of these very well legally drafted, you know, policies and <laughs> uh, messages, uh, how important it was. And it was just a disaster. We were creating so much. It was like huge friction between right. the you know employees and the security team. And it was just basically turning into just mayhem and chaos. And I remember one of the days we're sitting and we're just going, we're failing. What are we going to do? And it was an interesting time because at the same time, it was actually the same day. It was actually bring your child to work day. So it was like a parent, bring your kid to the yeah. office. Yeah. And we sit, we're sitting there and we're all out of ideas. And we thought, and somebody came up with the idea says, why don't we ask the kids? <laughs> Maybe sure. they have a better idea than we do. And it was interesting because what happened was it was like, so we went and got permission. Can we go and present to the kids? It was a bit, a bit of an awkward moment. Because when you're going to present to these all different ages of kids, you're like really, you know, right. really young kids and older kids. And, and we went in and we, we presented our, our, our awareness program. And they were just looking at us in shock. And it was a complete disaster. And they were going, and we were looking for ideas. How can we make this better? And one of the kids raised their hand and said, why don't you do it like, a, you know, we don't, all this text doesn't make sense to us. It's very complicated. You know, the words are way beyond their, their understanding. They said, why do you do it in comics, like graphics and images? And we thought, that's an wow. interesting idea. There you go. And it yeah. really kind of, so so we're like, okay, this is this is something we haven't tried and something that's interesting. So we end up creating a series of comic, uh, little, you know, uh, comic stories mm -hmm. that, you know, highlighted the different uh, risks and, and issues with some of the, you know, techniques, phishing, um, you know, plug in USB sticks, mm -hmm. uh, entering credentials in, changing password. Well, we create all these little storyboards and they end up, we realize that actually this is fantastic because we don't have to go through all the translations and all the different countries that this organization operates in. You get 115,000 employees across many countries and you're going like, you know, this storyboard actually was much cheaper than our original plan that we were going forward. And then it was interesting. So, so we're actually impressed. We're going, this is amazing. Let's let's keep this going. Let's find out more ideas. These kids are actually educating us way beyond we ever thought it was even possible. And then we were going, our way of communicating, we sent this through email, we had an internet web page and all, all of this stuff, and they were just like, huh. And another kid raised the hand and said, why don't you put it on the back of the bathroom doors? Because everybody needs to go to the bathroom at least once a day. We know we do. <laughs> and that was another moment of realization. It was like, huh. That's you got to captive audience in the bathroom. Yep. <laughs> so, so those kids were well treated at the end of the day with with plenty of candy. That's um, awesome. And uh, but it was realization that we ended up. You know, we 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 had the program. We put in comic stories. We had those uh, uh, on the back of the bathroom doors. We changed them every couple of months. Uh, we right. also put them in the canteens because they also said, right. you know, so we need to eat. <laughs> so, yeah. But yep. it was an amazing that how you can get you know. Outside of your 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 rut and traditional thing that you yeah. get used to, um, and really kind of open your eyes to other possibilities, and that was a moment of realization. You know that you know diversity was so so incredibly important. Um, and, and kids see to the world different... a little. And kids see the world a little simpler. Yes, they so, do. And that goes, you know, when you can simplify the process, you know, with any type of project, when you can simplify mm -hmm. the process and explain it to a child or explain it to somebody you know, mm -hmm. senior citizen, somebody that's not in the tech yeah. world and they can understand it and get takeaways. Then your message is, is communicated effectively. Yeah. That, so, yeah. That actually the whole session, it's like a, just a half a day, just sitting and just, you know, uh, really opened to... our minds. And it was, for me, it was always one of those enlightening moments. I always say in my right. career and uh, it changed me as a person as well, just kind of listening to the feedback and it made that program successful. 
Um, and that was even, you know, to the point where that was actually the cyber mentor program also was part of that initiative and, and also expanding security to that whole thing with the kids also made them realize that security starts at home <laughs> and expanding right. security solutions to the, to their, to their families. To the families uh, so they even, yeah. you know, paid for things like antivirus software or password managers for them to use at home. And I thought That's that was cool. an impressive way in a, in a kind of really, let's say modern way of thinking of things. Right. That's awesome. So, so quick, so one of the big things in the news recently is around liability. Um, and it's, it's been happening over the years. We saw it with the Uber incident. Um, and we saw it with a few cases. And, and most recently, of course, now with the uh, SEC charging mm -hmm. CISO from SolarWinds, um, all about yeah. transparency. And what, what's, what's, you know, what's this all happening? You know, is it something that we start having to realize it's not just about the employees who are, who are becoming victims um, of incidents, but also now as a result of incidents, now the executive team and the leadership of organizations are also, you know, what, what do you think, what's your thoughts around the whole kind of liability from CISOs and leaders and organizations, especially when it comes to security these days? Yeah. I, you know, it's really interesting. And I've had many of these types of conversations over the years. And one of the, one of the statements that I always heard regarding, you know, somebody that would communicate between the C-suite and the business was the fact that the board of directors, your C-suite team, they have a larger risk appetite than we're willing to take on ourselves. And yes. that's why they're in that role. However, I think because we've had so many data breaches, it's like, it's so nowadays, it's like, oh, another company got breached. Okay. Yeah. All right. There goes all my data and information in the wild that, you know, now it's, it's, the government, you know, has stepped, has realized, okay, too many of these organizations have been hit. I think it's because, you know, with solar winds and the supply chain and the downstream the of impact all that, and the government right. was also significantly impacted as part right. of that as well. So, so with that, it's like, okay, organizations need to start taking a little more responsibility because it'd be like, and it would drive me nuts because you'd get the letter that would say, we take security seriously. And my <laughs> response was, you're missing a word. We take, we don't take security seriously enough. Um, and so now it's putting the feet to the fire of the organization's uh, directors themselves, you know, whether it's the director, board of directors, the owners of the company, whatever it is, but putting their feet to the fire going, okay, yeah, you're, you took a hit on, cause you got hit with a ransom or you paid the ransom. You had to spend $15 million to recover, but you made 125 million last year for you. That was like, okay. It was you a know, took a hit on the stock and, you know, <laughs> you kept on going. It didn't put you out of business where you've got like smaller businesses. Some of them, they get hit and down the road, they end up having to close the doors and getting breached when we've got all that PII out there, that is finally, it's like, okay, this is unacceptable. We have to start mm -hmm. protecting it more. And so by putting in the regulations in with SEC, because that impacts stock price. Okay. Now you have to do a filing, the 8K filing. And then the 10K for the annual event mm -hmm. for regarding a, a type of cybersecurity incident. Mm -hmm. And you've got to do that within 72 hours. And I remember people freaking out going, oh, my God, 72 hours. It's not enough time. It's, Where it's, in the rest it's... of the world, they got less. So <laughs> yes. you've got you've got three days. And, of course, it's down to the wording, you know. And what you declare is an incident when you do that, you know, and so now it becomes, you know, you've got an event. Okay. Well, we can carry the word event for a particular time until we declare it an incident. Then we have 72 <laughs> hours. So they get their ducks in a row. Yeah. It's it's regulation and we loopholes and we've seen it go on for years. At least I know I have um, with other compliance regulations. 
But it's for me now it's looking at, okay, now, yeah, your risk appetite might be a lot bigger than what we're comfortable with. But now it becomes the fact that if we have an incident, you can't swipe, sweep this under the rug. If there's materiality impacted by this, where it impacts our, you know, PII information or our customers or organizations or it could impact stock price, now we have to, we're going to be held accountable for it. And so I think this is waking up a lot of board of directors, a lot of organizations where they don't understand it. And they would just be like cybersecurity, that's an IT thing, you know, or a CIA, an information office thing. And so they wouldn't take it seriously. And now it's, it's something where we need to have more technology-minded people on those board of directors, not only from a risk standpoint, a governance standpoint, but also from a technology and getting them to understand that uh, down the road. So I think it comes on to, yeah, yeah. I think it comes on to as well as, you know, we as an industry has been pushing the CISO to be on the board to oh, get that yeah. visibility. Yep. Yep. And I, you know, it also kind of realizes and, and it highlights to me that, oh, are most CISOs ready to be on the board? Uh, from an experience and knowledge perspective, because ultimately it's a very different, you know, to your point, you know, it's shifting the risk right. <laughs> and we, some, we're not, you know, always willing to accept the risk. It also gets into that, you know, scissors who are on the board who sign, you know, uh, findings and papers that they want to make sure that uh, as they're signing it, that they're able to back it up. Right. Um, yeah. And also then there's a question is that, you know, does in, in from a security perspective, because a lot of times the scissors put under a lot of pressure uh, in order to to make sure they're able, you know, you know, they're, sometimes their hands are tied in regards to make actions and make changes. To the point where is, you know, does you know anything the CISO signed does it have to be backed up by other board members? So the CISO isn't sure. the only one being held responsible. Right. Um, yeah. We don't want them to be the scapegoat. Yeah. Correct. This is, which which yeah. was what appears to be, you know, right. The kind of what you know the CISO tends to be uh, as a result of this being the one that's liable, and the rest of the board not. Um, right. And this is where it gets into that that whole kind of association side. So, right. so for me, it's, it's it's something that I think we've been pushing our way down, but we have to make sure that we're also backing it up with the right training and expertise, right. and that CISOs are getting the right knowledge and support when they're yeah. getting those. You know, because I think a lot of CISOs, it's first time board. Uh, you know, um, kind of yeah. let's say they're uh, almost there almost needs to be a a training course for them to what it's to be like on a board. And I know they're they're out there yeah. and they can they can go and find other things, but um, yeah, it's rather than make your, I think I heard the title of this in a, of a presentation recently in a conference was the chief information security officers, the chief information scapegoat officer, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so, but it shouldn't just be them. If they're not doing their job and they're not pushing to get more, the technology, the training, you know, the technology training and processes in place mm-hmm. and the people, then yes, then that's a failure on their part. But if they're pushing it through and they're not getting the budget because the board recognizes the risks are mm-hmm. aren't that great for it then yeah then it becomes a, a whole board but i even with that you know and let's mm-hmm. say they get the budgets there can still be that breach you can still mm-hmm. have a, a data breach that can occur but if you've got the processes in place and being able to mitigate the risk overall Correct. then it may not be as bad but it's like I said with the security awareness training. Yeah, you still might have one. Or, you're still going to have people that are going to click on links. It's now if you've got the technology and you've got the processes and the people that can handle that in place. And that goes a long way uh, in mitigating and reducing that attack service that they've they've gained access into uh, and limit what they can get to. So um, I completely, completely agree with that statement. It's it's absolutely it's really about making sure 
that you know you're being honest with yourself when it comes to right, your security that's, capabilities that's right. yep. is ultimately oh, yeah. what you're getting to is that um, i understand the risk in my environment and i'm accepting them as they are that's and right. i'm presenting the board and they're accepting them and we have shared responsibility when it comes to it exactly um, yep. and then you're not you know falsifying your capabilities to right. people who are here come your customers so i think that's ultimately what it i think you know we have a lot to go when it comes to making sure that the scissors uh, out there are, are ready and, and have the knowledge right. to make sure that they understand what can come as accountability. Um, exactly. And I attended a great session recently. You know, there's a lot of a couple of scissors when I was on a, a scissors summit that I attended, and they were talking about even you know liability insurance. You know, the yeah. companies taking out just in the, in those cases that it's now becoming a top discussion. I get a quick question from you. One of the things I've got as well is around what do you, what do you see some of the future trends? Where do you see the future of this area going when it comes to the human security. How can we make, you know, I, I love, you know, the whole CISA, you know, secure by design and shifting left and all of those things. And we got a lot of initiatives. Um, but what can we do to really kind of accelerate this? Is there, is there things, initiatives that you're seeing? Um, is there anything that No Before is doing uh, around this as well? Um, what's your thoughts around the, the future trend? Yeah, I mean, from the security awareness standpoint, we're always at it. We're always having more content and having that available. So different aspects. Um, we know AI is playing a huge mm -hmm. role in with organizations, you know, having training surrounding that. Um, but then also from phishing assessments, you know, you, mm -hmm. we're utilizing AI and the new capabilities, um, but also in how you deal with those phishing attacks. And so uh, we have a product called Fish ER, Fish ER Plus that mm -hmm. handles, um, you know, the triaging of that, removing it, being able to remove it from everybody's mailbox. Mm -hmm. Uh, flip it around and send it back out with your own links to assess folks because it's a real live uh, phishing email. So, yeah, we have our, you know, our product platform that we've got is, you know, the mm -hmm. industry leading with regards to, you know, sending out the phishing emails, dealing with phishing emails, the training of it. Mm -hmm. um, overall, the security coach, having those little bite-sized training programs, you know, if you're plugging in a flash drive and your policy doesn't allow it, you know, those kind of things, yep. get a little quick three-minute video to help the person understand the risks and what they need to do moving forward. So, yeah, overall, you know, with Mo, uh, here at No Before, um, you know, continuing to focus on the human, getting the security culture raised up within organizations, yep. keeping security top of mind, doing it so that we're looking to change behaviors, but overall we want to reduce risk mm -hmm. uh, within organizations. So, you know, reduce that attack surface where, you know, we hear so often that they got in through social engineering. If we can get it so that folks are like, yeah, no, I know that's not real and not believe mm -hmm. everything that comes in <laughs> on your phone, have that little healthy level of skepticism with regards to your phone, your email, uh, voicemails and so forth. So, Fantastic. Yeah. It's ultimately making the world a safer place for us to live We're, in. Yep. And I mean, that's, yep. that's ultimately the goal. And um, is there any, any resources or any places that you would like, you know, to point people to that can help them? Um, sure. I know Perry has numerous great books and the, you know, oh, yeah. uh, I've got a, quite a few of them on my shelf as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and Stu is also a great advocate. Also, he's always kind of sending out his, his, uh, his the cyber heist news. Yeah. Yep, so, yeah. We have uh, the blog site, you know, blog.nobefore.com. Mm -hmm. Great. We have stories every day, multiple stories coming out every day the cyber heist newsletter that comes out from that. That's now on LinkedIn. They were real excited. They got a the LinkedIn newsletters out there every week, but going back to what we talked about earlier mm -hmm. with regards to getting the word out to people mm -hmm. know before does have a home course. You go to knowbeforecom slash home course. And it's like a home security awareness training program that people Fantastic. can take. Now it is password protected and the password for it is home <laughs> course. 
all lowercase. Don't come at me because of the password we use, but that's just to <laughs> prevent it from being scraped, I believe. And yep. so you've got to have some sort of human interaction. But yeah, you can go out and that's got training for people and families mm -hmm. to be aware of with regards to, you know, security awareness. Um, share it with your grandparents. It's a series of videos mm -hmm. so they can go through and watch that. And again, get that awareness to hopefully, you know, make them think you know, a little more when it comes yep. to those emails and not believing everything coming into their inbox is true. But um, uh, also from a security professional perspective, uh, I produce the Security Masterminds podcast. So we have our own podcast out there. Um, every month we interview a new security mastermind that's out there. And um, we're wrapping up on season two and I'm already lining up guests for season three, uh, which looks real exciting. Looking forward to to that. Um, so, yeah, so definitely check out the Know Before website and uh, for all of the products and services, the blogs, the information and the home course. So. Fantastic. We'll def I'll definitely make sure as we go through and, you know, the, all of this uh, gets added to the show notes as well. So it's cool, easier thanks. accessible for, for everyone on the show. Uh, James, it's been awesome. I always enjoy uh, having you on and always enjoy speaking Thank with you. you and listening to your talks. It's it's uh, it's always great to catch up uh, and chat with you. Let's make sure it doesn't go too long for the next nope. chat. Um, so any any final words of wisdom that you would like to, to share with the audience before we close up today's episode? Um, yeah, just, you know, stay safe out there. Be able to have that healthy level of skepticism. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to have that. We can't just believe everything that we see. Um, and uh, yeah, now that we got the holiday season coming up, we're going to have mm -hmm. a lot of, we're going to see a lot of scams of shipping deliveries. You know, Absolutely. don't freak out. Christmas presents and holiday Christmas seasons. Yep. And <laughs> yep. So, you know, just, yeah. We got to elevate up just a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, if all else fails, ask somebody. You know, yeah. don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid that's to always, ask. That's yep. the key part. So. It's a good message so, to have. James, it's been awesome having you on. Um, many thanks for joining me for today's episode. Uh, for everyone, again, tune in every two weeks for the 401 Access Tonight podcast. Here to bring you, you know, educational knowledge, news, trends, uh, things that really help make the world a safer place. And James, you've definitely brought it to the show today uh, and uh, some great knowledge and contribution. Thank you very much. So everyone, stay safe and take care. See ya. This podcast is brought to you by Delinea, the number one privileged access management solution for enterprises with complex hybrid IT environments. You can get our free ebook, Privileged Access Management for Dummies, by visiting us at delinea.com slash PAM for Dummies. That's delinea.com forward slash PAM, the number four, dummies. From all of us at Delinea, thanks for listening.